Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, December 27th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Uh, hey, everyone. Three weeks in a row, pulling off the hat trick, I suppose. <laughs> it's almost become a regular thing. I'm not, I'm not sure we're going to do box office, box office every week on the podcast, but um, because of the holidays, uh, news has been kind of slow, and also the box office has been really interesting. Yeah, which, so is, which has not been the case consistently over the past couple of years. Oh, yeah. Uh, th- this last year, it's been kind of a sad state of affairs, so uh, it's actually kind of exciting now. Uh, but before we get into that... Uh, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, what, what have you been up to? Because like we've had like almost a week off or ha- you know half week off for the holidays. Did you have a good holiday? I did. Uh, I uh, I know adults tend to get grumpy about it, but I actually love Christmas uh, like I always <laughs> have. And so uh, last year was rough because I didn't get to go home and see my family and friends and stuff. So this year I, I did in as responsible a manner as humanly possible. Uh, did, did get to go back to Arizona to go see my family and my friends and stuff. And, and I had a great time. I, I really did. So, uh, that was nice. Kind of filled me with life heading into the new year. And, uh, yeah, it was lovely. I got, um, 
my mom is sort of like an incredible gift giver and she got me a uh, picture of Han Solo signed by Harrison Ford uh, which was pretty cool so uh, yeah Wait, was it was it young Han Solo was it midlife Han it was Solo, young it was like was the classic old? promo shot of him holding the okay. gun and uh, yeah so it was pretty it came with a certificate of authenticity and everything it was pretty cool that's awesome uh, uh, what about you I man really, yeah I didn't really do much I we just sat at home and didn't leave because of <laughs> coronavirus and, right I don't uh, blame anyone for yeah, I, w- I was going to go. We were going to go to the theater and see Licorice Pizza, but we, for whatever reason, we just didn't. Um, every time we were checking the screenings, like there, at first it would be like, oh, oh, there's only two people in that theater, and then like closer to the, the the time, it filled up because L.A. actually goes is one of the <laughs> one of well, the two places that goes to see the that movie. Well, and I don't want to get into the box office stuff too early, but what I think happened a lot was people were looking to get screenings of Spider-Man and those filled up. And then that sort of residually helped a lot of other movies. Cause then people were like, well, I guess we'll go see something, you know, and that used yeah. to happen more frequently, but I think that happened a lot with Spider-Man the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But I, I spent the the week mostly like at home watching TV, catching up on some TV stuff that I had not seen. I saw station 11. I saw yellow jackets, which I'll talk about later. Um, but people yeah, are going uh, nuts for station 11. People love that so far. Oh yeah, I highly recommend Station Eleven. It's not what you think it's gonna be. It's very weird. It, it jumps in time. I'm, I'm not spoiling anything, but it, it's just very, very uh, interesting. So yeah. Um, okay, let's let's get into it. Let's start with I guess Spider Man No Way Home because uh, that has crossed another milestone. Crossed a huge milestone. Uh... Truth be told, even as much as I, I've thought that the box office would bounce back and stuff, I genuinely didn't know if we would ever see a movie do this again, and I really mean it. But yeah, we Spider-Man No Way Home in 12 days crossed a billion dollars, which is pandemic or no pandemic, that is just insane. That is that is yeah. just the kind of thing that... I, I, I mean, that's that's crazy by at any time to, to have a movie make that kind of money that fast. It's nuts. What? How does that compare to some of the other big, like one billion dollar uh, winners? Uh, so I don't have the exact things pulled up, but I know earlier it's tied for with Force Awakens for the third quickest to get to that uh, figure, and then the only two to do it quicker were, I believe, Infinity War and Endgame, which right now, uh, No Way Home has just been duking it out with Infinity War and Endgame in terms of global opening and you know all that stuff so it's just right on par with the biggest movies ever which have all happened in the last five years but (laughs) but yeah it's 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 doing it's doing the deal have uh you know the recent variants and the spikes in covid not slowing anything down it looks like is is that a good or a bad thing um i mean look i think it's a good thing because i think we talked about this a little bit last week unfortunately the pandemic which i don't like to talk about too much professionally yeah but it is intrinsically tied to this stuff we're looking at something that's going to just be here and you know i think it's going to be more like a very it's going to be like the flu in that i think it's not going anywhere and we're just going to have to hopefully get people more on board with the idea of like annual boosters or whatever so right now we're still in the process of contending with it but it's just going to be a thing and it's going to affect things. And I think from, if we want to look at it from more of a business perspective, as I've talked about, it's about reshaping consumer habits 
And that's largely what's happened because people expect big movies at home now. But as we've seen with No Way Home, if you make it exclusively in theaters at first and you make people want to go see it, it tends to work. Uh, and another movie we'll talk about here in a second. Maybe there's a little bit of blame to square on the on the streaming release, but yeah, I will say this though. I I think until like a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, I had only known one person that got COVID in this entire time. Maybe yeah, it's I don't. Yeah. Maybe I don't know that many people, or maybe it's the people I know are more cautious than than uh, others. But in the last two weeks, Ryan, I, I swear to God, like probably a dozen people. I know have gotten COVID. Yeah, so I'm in a similar boat. Um, the only thing I'll say to that is, though, uh, science being what it is, I think the the slight misunderstanding that a lot of people had is like, if I get the vaccine, I'm never going to get COVID. No, the idea is that if you get it, you know, you're yeah. going to have a manageable case of it. Especially now we have over the counter drugs being approved and stuff. That's the idea, you know, that like it's it becomes something you can easily contend with. Um, so 100%. Yeah. Like, because like, I, I agree with you in that I'm knowing more people that are getting it, but what I'm getting a lot more of, of anything is the people that I know are getting it are having symptoms for a couple of days, then they're fine. You know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's, which is, you know, more or less in my view, compared to what we were dealing with last year, I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot less scary if you have the vaccine. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, Okay, let's talk about the rest of the box office because I I, I yeah. know everybody's excited about Spider Man No Way Home, but uh, there was a couple other huge releases this this weekend. There were more than I think people realize, but just real quick to go over Spider Man's weekend figures, uh, it, it made eighty one point five million in its second weekend, uh, which is bigger than almost any other movie in the pandemic <laughs> did in its first weekend. <laughs> now it did drop sixty eight point seven percent. That would be, like, catastrophic for most movies. However, I think this was a situation where this movie was, like, front-loaded in a way that almost no other movie is, so that drop isn't as scary as, like, when Batman v Superman dropped, you know, 68% or whatever. Um, but, yeah, then, then, then in a distant but not too concerning second was Sing 2, uh, the long-awaited sequel to Universal Sing, uh, did 23.7 million over the weekend, but again, let's remember it was a long five-day weekend. Uh, did you know 41 million domestic, and it's up to 65 worldwide. Uh, below the original, but not bad. I you know I don't know I don't think it's too bad. Uh, real surprise for me was the Matrix only made tw uh, Matrix Resurrections only made 12. Um, uh, but this is where domestic versus international box office is important because it only made 12 domestic where it is also available on HBO Max to stream for free, but it made 47.3 internationally, meaning it's almost at 70 million worldwide. Now, if you take that whatever HBO Max might have done out of the equation, you know, you might have actually gotten a little closer to maybe 90 million opening weekend worldwide, you know, if 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 you maybe factor in what HBO Max did, that's my opinion, but uh, but okay, so so you think it's the HBO Max of that equation? If I had told you, you know, like I guess twenty years ago that there was going to be a Matrix Four, and that was going to get released, and it was going to make that these were the numbers that we were going to see, it would have shocked you, right? Uh, totally, totally. But but again, I think the I mean the other thing is, 
you know, I know Warner Brothers was committed to releasing it this year, but I mean, you know, we can we're going to talk about a couple other movies here in a second, but this is a <laughs> this is a crowded weekend. I mean, this is a yeah. really crowded weekend. So, you can blame what you want to blame, but much like Disney just doing Guillermo del Toro del Toro dirty with Nightmare Alley, you've got a ton of competition this weekend. So you can, you know, it certainly doesn't make it easy that it was available on HBO Max, and it sure as hell doesn't make it easy that it had a lot of competition. So, you know, yes, I agree with you that that would be surprising on the surface, but, you know, taking a lot of things into account, you know, it's kind of hard to be too surprised. Yeah. It, it, also, the, the response to it has, I think, best been described as divisive. It's mixed, for uh, sure, yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. like... It's it's not it didn't it didn't pull like a Force Awakens where it kind of got everyone back into the thing, um, you know I I it and that doesn't help anything like it was the same problem with we can go to the number four movie with the Kingsman, you know uh, where the Kingsman movies did very well relative to you know blockbuster movie making but you know it only made six point three million and ten over the full five days. You know, but mixed response. It wasn't getting a ton of buzz. You're talking about a prequel set in World War One to movies that made around 400 million worldwide in the first place. So I would have put this movie, even in the best case scenario, around, you know, 300 million worldwide. And I don't think Disney was expecting any more than that ever. You know, so now it's <laughs> now pandemic, crowded weekend, no buzz. You know, again, it's it's flop is written on the wall. What do you want me to say? Yeah. Uh, should Sing have been released to streaming VOD? I feel like a lot of, like, during the pandemic, a lot of, like, smaller, like, uh, or not smaller, a lot of uh, family-friendly kids' movies t took that path. Uh, yes. Uh, I have been very critical of day-and-date releases for big movies, um, but the one exception seems to be family movies in a lot of cases. Uh, like, I look at Clifford uh, did did relatively well in, in that uh, arena, but I think Sing, the first one was such a big hit that I feel like that's one where you got to take your shot and you got to sort of like, you got to sort of see if you can, you can get those dollars. And then I say you almost do like what Disney did with Encanto, where you do, you do the theaters for 30 days, you essentially make your budget back in the theaters and then you, and then you make everything else. You make your hay, you know, on, on uh, premium VOD and streaming. That's kind of, yeah. I think for these family movies, that's the move. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, what is the big loser of the weekend? Oh, there's no question, Nightmare Alley. Uh, it, it dropped out of the top <laughs> 10 entirely in its second weekend. It's at number 11. Uh, only made $1.3 um, I mean, just absolutely brutal for, you know, Del Toro coming off a Best Picture winner with The Shape of Water. I mean... <laughs> what can you say? Yeah. You know, a really well-roundedly liked movie, huge cast. Uh, man, oh man. I mean, it's hard to know if this would have done better with a less crowded slate. But I look at how empty January is right now, and I just can't help but think you do limited release, you build a little bit of buzz, and then you pick like that second week of January when you got nothing, and you give them a shot at least, because that is just the damn tragedy. I mean, it, that, that, that's the searchlight... Uh, Sony Pictures Classics playbook. That's, uh, but that's, that's what you most, do. Uh, we can talk about Licorice Pizza too, which opened a little wider this week and now is in 786 theaters. Uh, gross 2.3 million, which is good for that many theaters. You know, almost a $3,000 per theater average. That's pretty good. You know, that's a platform release. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's, uh, yeah. So I, 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 I blame, I blame Disney full stop. They knew better. And, uh, I know, I think Del Toro has a, like an overall deal of some sort set up at Searchlight Pictures. I would not be surprised if he, he's looking to move that deal elsewhere after this. Um, (laughs) I, I think he's got reason to be upset. I think there's a reason he hasn't said all that much. Like, I don't know. He's been pretty quiet and I feel like. He's feel, usually not a quiet guy. Not a quiet guy. I feel like uh, feel like he feel like he's pretty pissed, and he probably has every right to be. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, uh, l- let's move on from the box office. Let's talk about some movie news, some stuff that broke since last week uh, when we last talked to you. Uh, one of which is Colin Trevorrow, the director behind the Jurassic World franchise. Uh, he, he's, you know, lining up his next film. It's this Atlantis film. I don't think it has a title yet. Um, and we knew about this before, but it, recently he talked to Empire Magazine and he yeah. revealed some more about this project. And uh, here's what he said. So I'll re- read you what he said. Uh, For a generation right now to be able to enter a world that is not unlike their world, where their elders have basically gifted them a civilization that is dying. I think it is the right moment for that story. Uh, Very interesting. And the other thing, um, by the way, you know, Atlantis story has been retold many times throughout uh, Ask Disney about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. At Disney, uh, they almost made an Indiana Jones, right? With uh, him trying to find Atlantis. so uh, yeah, but usually it's after the city has been ruined and it's underwater, uh, being destroyed by the the hubris of the the people that live there. And this one actually seems to be set on the lost continent while it's still existing. Uh, it's described as a multicultural civilization with its own advanced technology. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this is interesting because. I don't know. I, I I know you and me, Ryan. We we are the two um, <laughs> the two big people on the slash film staff that I I think uh, go to bat for the the big blockbuster movies that that, that like um, that, that like to enjoy bigger movies. I think we'll go to uh, I think we'll go to bat for the ones that like a lot of people in quote unquote film Twitter won't go to bat for. Uh, like yes. like you know, there's yeah. like I didn't see a lot of grumpiness about No Way Home. Uh, among the slash film staff, but like it's pretty rare that you'll get those popcorn movies that people although, aren't a little bored of. Although it seemed like film Twitter and every like th- that kind of people didn't hate on No Way Home, but they were like, "This is the end of of you know West Side Story." You know the whole story of all the stuff. Yeah, that was and doing look, bad. I've got different like, opinions about some of those, yeah. but but and we've t- and I talked <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. If anyone yeah. wants to go hear about my thoughts on West Side Story, that. But but yeah, it, I, but the idea with the Atlantis thing is interesting because this is an example of like where you need franchises and you need recognizable IP to sort of justify big budget movies now. And because there's only so many Marvel or DCs out there, other studios have to look elsewhere. So you look at like, hey, what's in like the uh, public domain? Atlantis, right? <laughs> like we can we yeah. can we can all use Atlantis. <laughs> so like, I, you know, I uh, look. I like Trevorrow. I uh, he made one really bad movie, and then he kind of like I think I still I, haven't seen that movie. <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. I didn't hate it as much as but it's not good. Uh, but like I think. Safety Not Guaranteed is amazing. 
I think the first Jurassic World, it, as someone who counts Jurassic Park as his favorite movie of all time, I think he nailed what you were going to do with that. Like, the idea of, you know, that movie that much that many years later and not completely rebooting everything. He didn't direct Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, so let's not totally put that on his shoulders. You but know, he did like, produce it. He was involved. He, he was involved, he but, but look, I, if, if yeah. we're going to talk about him as a director. Like, he didn't direct Fallen Kingdom, so we can't totally... You know, yeah, yeah, but... fair enough. But I, the one thing I want to bring up with Colin Trevorrow is, uh, you know, hate him if you will. Sure. But he's he's always bringing like he's trying to bring some important things for us to think about to his uh, to to these big franchise films like one hundred percent. Yeah, Jurassic World movies being about how we treat animals and yeah. that whole thing, and what I'm sure we're gonna get big into that in this this next film. Well, and, and even Atlantis, like, yeah. Oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, but I was gonna say even if no. anyone who read his, he was supposed. If for those who may not know, he was supposed to direct Star Wars Nine, uh, Lucasfilm a little gun shy after what happened with the Last Jedi, decided to go elsewhere, uh, and then his pitch came out. And it turns out, like, his script for Duel of the Fates was pretty cool. You know, like, he yeah. actually didn't didn't go, like, the... What a, what a lot of people would accuse of being, accused of being the fanservice-y route uh, of Rise of Skywalker. So, you know, like, the dude... I agree with you completely. He at least is trying to be a little bit interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in this. Uh, there's also another quote from him here. It says, I'm fascinated with it. It's the only thing that equals dinosaurs for me. I guess I tend to go back to the go go back to the past, but you know, it was the first time that we had technology, and it's a time when we had other kinds of creatures that aren't around anymore. There are just so many things that are fascinating to me. So yeah, I'm deep nerd for it. So this sounds interesting to me, like this cult, like this ancient civilization that has technology, uh, probably advanced technology, and other creatures. Yeah, what, I what think other he's, is he hinting at like. Like a deep sea monster movie in this? I don't know. Like, is he gonna know. do I'm, like twenty thousand? <laughs> is he gonna do like twenty twenty thousand leagues under the Atlantis? Is that what he's doing? I'm intrigued. Uh, well, here's the question for you, Ryan. What are the chances that Atlantis doesn't fall during this movie? I mean, but like, would it fall like that quickly? I feel like it was like. This goes back to my point of like looking for franchises. Where yeah. if what studio is the setup at? Does it say an empire? I forgot who's 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 who's. I don't know. I have to look it up. I'm guessing it's Universal because that's my guess too. But okay, so let's say Universal goes. What you want to do now, Colin? And uh, you know, like you got an Atlantis movie. If he's not going to show us what we've typically seen, my guess is he's got a two to three movie pitch, which is, you know, let's show you Atlantis thriving, and then let's build up to the fall of Atlantis. Which I know people get annoyed at that sort of approach, but like, you know, that's kind of how you get movies done now. So maybe there's a two to three movie pitch for Atlantis in here. Yeah, uh, it is universal, by the way. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Uh, then. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think probably by the end of this movie, maybe that sets into motion why the uh, why the uh, the continent of Atlantis is, is sinking. And yeah, maybe to yeah, I, I, but it also strikes me as the kind of thing that like moviegoers might not care like in the same way that like everyone keeps trying to do a king arthur movie and nobody cares you know like even the good ones it's like people are like i'm over it good robin hood movies people are over it you know it's like uh i get it but <laughs> yeah 
Uh, fair enough. Okay, let's talk about our, our final f- story for today. They've released this new trailer or teaser clip. I don't know what you'd call this. Usually back in the day, you'd call this a TV spot, but nowadays there aren't TV spots for streaming TV shows, so they release them on Twitter. Yeah, and I mean, they do show them. up on TV from time to time. I still call them TV spots just because it's it's what they, what they used to be. Yeah. Uh, do you want to set this one up, Ryan? Uh, sure. Just because what I, yeah, I'm actually wearing a Boba Fett shirt right now, so it's appropriate. But, uh, yeah, there was like a new, on Christmas Day, there was like a new, I guess you'd call it a, a let's just call it a teaser trailer. It's short for, for the book of Boba Fett. And it, it mostly wasn't too much new footage, but there was this one shot of, uh, of, 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 uh, of a lady on a speeder bike, uh, that sort of captured film Twitter's attention. Uh, and uh, our, our headline from uh, our, our writer Danielle called it a uh, cool biker check character, and that seems fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those things, and this this is what I've always loved about Star Wars is that you look at like one of my favorite characters is Admiral Akbar, and he's a guy who had like three lines, but you can always read so much into these little things. Like we're getting a whole to that point, we're getting a whole Boba Fett show about a guy who had like four lines in the original movies. You know, and yeah. like, you know, the and he's become one of the most popular characters in the franchise. Star Wars allows for this. So, like, if it's any other franchise, you see a cool biker girl, you let it go. If it's Star Wars, you see a cool barker, biker girl and you go, what's her story? You know, like, so yeah. it's just a no, different totally. thing. Yeah. Uh, and back in the day, you'd get an action figure and you'd get all this stuff. Nowadays, they're We're gonna a little get bit that more. Now. There's no way there isn't already a pop figure of her getting made. Uh, you're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, so what What do you think? Who do you think she is? How do you think she plays into the story? Uh, here, Here's why I don't even know if that's even fun to speculate about right now, because I don't know if anyone <laughs> saw, but Rodriguez has talked about how like all of the trailers are only from like the first 14 minutes of the first episode. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say. Uh, let's just say that it seems like they're hiding a lot. Uh, like, like, it seems like there's going to be multiple Baby Yoda level reveals here. So I feel like they're like, here's this cool biker chick. God knows what her thing is, but here she is. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. It, um, it, it seems clear to me. I forgot the name of the alien race, but there's clearly like a, a race of aliens that seem to be warring with Boba Fett as him taking the throne from Jabba. And she seems kind of affiliated with them on some level, given if I'm trying to piece the shots together in my head. But, you know, again, at this point, we are just in reckless, reckless speculation territory because, man, oh, man, are they not saying anything? <laughs> yeah, I do want to take this opportunity to plug a show that I watched over the last few days, and that is Yellow Jackets. And I want to say that this is probably the best show on television right now that, no, that I feel like most of you are probably not watching. So I want to uh, say that this is on Showtime. That's probably why you're not watching it because bingo. Yeah. Who <laughs> subscribes to Showtime anymore? I, I will admit I resubscribed to Showtime because I wanted to see the new Dexter show. Yeah. Which has been mostly fine. It's been fine. Like I, I'm enjoying it. It, it, it. It's, you know, it's the show at the end of every episode. It's like, oh my God, Dexter's going to get caught. And then he gets out of being caught. And then like the next episode, it's fine. It, it, it's a, a guilty pleasure, I guess, in, in a sense. But Yellow Jackets is a really cool show. And I know you haven't seen it, Ryan. You, you told me this before we started recording. So I wanted to pitch this to you because I think people don't even know about the show. I was like talking to one of my friends and he was like, 
is this a, a show about killer bees? Right. Because like you, you look at the poster and it has like a close up of a one of the actresses' face and there's like a yellow jacket bee on the face and it looks like a horror movie about killer bees or something. Well, and I'm not sure if you're going to get into this, but the connective tissue here is that the the cool biker lady uh, in Boba Fett. Uh, is, yeah, oh, yes. is from Yellow Jackets. She's on Yellow Jackets. <laughs> Thank you for connecting the dots that I forgot to connect. Yes. Oh, I thought so that's the... why you were doing No, no, that's the whole thing. Because everyone was no, like, no, oh no, my no. God, it's the chick from Yellow Jackets. That is 100% true. It's Sophie yeah. Thatcher. It's Sophie uh, Thatcher. Cool I couldn't remember bike... her name, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's the cool biker chick from Book Above a Fat. We don't know anything more about her, but she's on the show and she's great in the show. Yeah. The show's great. And I, I just wanted to pitch the show really quickly because. Uh, the show's great, and it's about this uh, – in the 90s, the late 90s, there's this team – the soccer team that is going to, like, the championships, and they, they, they go on this private plane, and the plane crashes into the wilderness of maybe Canada or something. We don't know where, and they are left – to try to survive by themselves with, you know, they have a coach and some assistant coaches. And here's where it's interesting because th this is, a lot of people are comparing this to Lost and that is a very fair comparison because this has mysteries and it's it's more than just what it seems and it unfolds and like you're wondering what is really going on in this, uh, this place. Uh, but the interesting thing here is they tell you right up front, they were rescued I think like 19 months after they crashed. Oh, so they do the so, Romeo and Juliet thing where they're like, hey, here's the, we're telling you how this ends, but. Well, you don't really know how it ends because the the, sto the story of this is cut up into, and here's another lost comparison. You're seeing this story in like 1996 or whatever year it is. And then it's intercut with flash forwards okay. to now with the same, with some of the women who survived this crash, played by uh, Melanie Linsky, uh, played by, I'm trying to think uh, who else. Um, Christina, Christina Ricci's Ricci. in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Christina Ricci, and also Juliette Lewis, and this, uh, this Sophie Thatcher, the cool biker chick from <laughs> Book of Love that she plays the young version of uh, Juliette Lewis's character, oh, Natalie. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, uh, so intercuts there, and there's something going on. I, I don't want to ruin too much, but you really don't know what you kind of get an idea that some of the things might have happened like they they tease in the first scene that there might have been people eating people to survive I was going to say that's what I've heard I didn't want to spoil anything but I've heard that yeah. there is a that might be a cannibal element to this show Yes uh that said I'm far along in it I think I'm seven episodes in it and it's not really about that uh, it is a thriller. It is a horror. Like, there is some horrific stuff happening. They have to kill some animals to survive and stuff like that. But um, but there is this kind of really compelling mystery to it. And uh, I don't know. I, I just highly recommend it to everybody, uh, especially if you if you want to get excited for Book of Boba Fett. Why not watch? Uh, <laughs> I guess you only have a couple days. but That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We um, shall know more about Mystery Biker Girl soon enough. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else to say about mystery cool biker check? Um, I guess I'll leave a lot of those thoughts to what Twitter did with it. Uh, it doesn't seem appropriate to do here. Uh, I, uh, 
I tweeted something and then deleted it because I was like, yeah, I'm just not going down that road. But, uh, but, um, uh, yeah, no. A lot of people pointing out that it's another Star Wars character with brown hair. Another woman. Look, I'm not. I, I, a buddy of mine after (laughs) Solo came out, uh, my buddy Dana, uh, was like, enough of the, uh, enough of the British brunettes in Star Wars. And I put my fist down and I was like, never, it'll never be enough. Uh, (laughs) for, you know, for my money. Um, we, we can well, do that. Well, at least that. this time we don't have a. I was gonna say, at least this time we don't have a lot of people like being like, "It's Ray's mom." Must be Ray's mom. Uh, she has brown hair. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> look, I'm all fine with theorizing, but that was like, man, you are you are grasping for. But uh, but no, look, I I for as far as uh, yellow jackets does seem interesting to me. The one thing that I admit consistently is that to my own detriment, I don't watch much TV. Uh, I watch a lot more movies, and I'm aware I'm missing out on a lot of good stuff. It's just. It you know the one and only thing that holds me up is I remember for seven years people were screaming at me like I was an idiot for not watching Game of Thrones and then the last season happened and I just got to sit down and be like well 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 uh, but, uh, you know. so you were the people that like refused to watch Lost all those seasons and like by the end we're like see I just, all it's not that, that enjoyment I re- you guys got it's not that I refused it's just that. Uh, with Game of Thrones, it was more that I did watch the first season of Game of Thrones, and then I just didn't get hooked on it, like you know, black yeah. tar heroin, and I, you know, whatever. But uh, but um, no, it's too. It really is to my own detriment. But Yellow Jackets is one of those things that the more I see and hear about it, the more I'm like, this might be one of the things that I end up that I end up doing uh, because it seems increasingly like my my sort of thing. Yeah, check it out. I think. I think when I signed up to Showtime, I did it through my Apple TV and I got like 14 days free. Of course, I didn't cancel it in those 14 right. days. So now I'm. That's like money me with Apple the... TV Plus. I subscribe to it for a month to watch Ted Lasso, then I bail. You know? <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah but uh, uh, such is the nature of the streaming wars, I suppose. Yeah. Anyways, uh, if you are excited for Book of Boba Fett, we're going to have our weekly recap show starting on Wednesday, this Wednesday. It comes out in two days. Two days. That is insane. Yep. I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to do my stay up very late and watch the premiere business because I, uh, I can't wait. So. Yeah, I can't wait as well. What are they hiding from the trailers? Also, just if on the off chance anyone from Disney or Lucasfilm is listening, uh, you guys have got to stop doing this midnight drop thing like across time zones because you know people are wait- some people are watching it right when it just do like an 8 p.m. drop or something even if it's the next day I don't care drop these episodes at a time that makes sense but 8, 8 p.m. in what time zone Ryan? I don't care even if it's 8 p.m. east it's just right now it's 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 it, it, this is this is nonsense you gotta just just do it like primetime premiere on Disney plus or something yeah let's do like maybe 9 9- p.m. Eastern. Sure, great. So that would be, what would that be, 6 p.m. Pacific? Yeah. Sure, yeah, because that's like what they used to do with like, you know, premium live television. Like, and I understand it's streaming and it works differently, but like just the way that people consume stuff, if you don't stay up late and you get the people that do stay up late, even if you don't do this stuff like we do for a living, you're still going to jump on social media and get stuff spoiled. You know, like you got to just, you, you know, it, it would make sense to like... And then I also think you'd get a lot more like social media conversation night of you would think if they did it that way. But this is another conversation for another time. But why, why do you think they do this? Is it? I mean, they were able to sustain Game of Thrones when that was like in its, you know, last season and it's yeah. the height of popularity. So it's not like that the computers and whatever can can't handle it if they do it at like eight p.m. or whatever. 
Oh, I never I'm thought really of that. Like server what... load or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. I, dude, I honestly like the, the, when it was happening with Hawkeye because I'm not a morning person. So what I was doing for us was I was getting up an hour before my shift and watching Hawkeye, and which was fine because I'm like getting paid to watch Hawkeye. Like you know, peek behind the curtain. But 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 um. <laughs> I, I'm like, not, I, I would rather, like, I'm a night owl, so I'd rather watch something later, but, like, that doesn't really work with my work schedule, because, like, I'm in Central, so these episodes drop at 2 in the morning, so then I'm up till 3 in the morning watching a thing, you know, like, come on. I didn't, I didn't even think about that, because it's midnight here in yeah. California when I'm watching these things, so an Easter, East Coast, we have a lot of East Coast uh, 3 in the morning, East on, Coast, yeah, three, because wow. that's what's really dumb, is they do it, like, just standardized drops, so... You know, so for me, again, two in the morning. Now, me staying up till three in the morning is not an issue if I don't have to work the next morning. But if I got to work the next morning, it's kind of an issue. So, but, uh, and that's the issue for a lot of people that would like to watch this the night that it drops. But, so I implore you, Disney, do this more sensibly. <laughs> okay, Disney, if you're listening, let's, let's get it done. <laughs> Uh, okay, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. So if you if you know why they drop it at midnight, let, let us know because I'm, I'm, I'm curious what the actual reasoning is. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.